What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 265, and uh, I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. My name is Steve, and I'm here with... Ronald. And John. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at your beautiful faces, yeah, know, and I'm just so nice. excited to see like the thought going into when you should Jesus say like, your name. We're all smiling. I can see we've all kept yeah. our teeth during uh, quarantine. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. It feels kind of like hopscotch, oh, yes. man. It feels like we're like trying to... It's like, oh, oh, it's my turn to get in there. Yeah. Wait, what view do you have it set on? I have it on gallery view where we're all just equally sized. Oh, the whole that's time. a good idea. I'm going to yeah. do that. I kind of so, like when it's what, like. What is it? Gallery? Gallery at the top. Oh, yeah, that's what I have yeah. too. I yeah, normally yeah, yeah. have it in speaker view because I like the idea that it like it feels like a, a show and it goes to the person. But it becomes like it becomes like flashy, flashy editing yeah. when people start to. It does. Kind of like, like a music video. Like it's yeah. very. Yeah. Plus, you can't like subtly burp or anything like that. You know, <laughs> the mic picks it up. Yeah. <clears throat> well, so, how are you guys? Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. man. You look good. You both look really good. Yes. You both look healthy. I've been bald, and then I grew all of my hair back, and I probably wow. and I shaved again, and then grew all my hair back. That's how long we've mm. been in the house. It's crazy. Like completely bald to. Yeah, it's nuts. I haven't done anything <laughs> except <laughs> except Kate when I when I'm going to be out around people I shave it I shave it off on my neck but everything else and my cheeks you know I keep the wolfman thing down and ah. I keep the neck beard thing up and then the rest yeah. you can see this gotcha. biblical shit's happening with the hair I, you know it's fun to play around with but I'm getting sick of it on my neck do you remember that Steve <laughs> when you had oh, the long yeah. hair that feeling oh yeah so if you see me out with a man bun or or pigtails or something like that it's because <laughs> I got to get it off my neck every night no day. judgment yeah no well, judgment don't, you shouldn't anyway I look very cute with pigtails yeah okay <laughs> we, 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 we have something really exciting to talk about on this episode I don't yes. know if we're going to get to it just yet right but uh, maybe we can tease it in like this is going to be something special you're, you, read, you probably read it in this description of this episode yes. if you're if you're listening, but if you we're gonna read. act like you didn't. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's just That'd assume you can't read because it'd be like hieroglyphics yeah. just like sitting on your TV, on your TV or whatever you're looking at it or listening to it on. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. But um, yeah. So later in the episode, basically, we're gonna be talking about the new HBO show Lovecraft Country, and in what might be, I think, I mean, we've had some access to, you know, advanced screenings for films and whatnot, but um. We, we were fortunate enough to get uh, something going with HBO where basically, and we're trying to do this with a couple other uh, television st- studios, movie studios, anybody producing anything right now. Um, movie Schmovie is trying to get it, okay? Yeah. We're trying oh, yeah. to get out there, get the name out there, and talk to some of these platforms, these studios, and see if they want us to watch their stuff so we can talk about it on our podcast either before it comes out. Or in the case of Lovecraft Country, um, basically what HBO was kind enough to do was to give us access to the first five episodes of the series, which just started this past Sunday. If you're listening to this, uh, the day it comes out, the podcast comes out, uh, it would have been the prior Sunday uh, on HBO on the, what was that, the 16th? Yeah. Um, And yeah, so they were super cool, very kind, gave us access to the first five episodes, and we've all had the opportunity to watch them, to watch them, so we will be talking about that. Um, for probably the majority of the episode, I think it's we're all pretty excited to talk about this show. Yeah, Absolutely. for a lot of reasons. This one's been on our radar for a long time. Oh, yeah. yeah We've been talking in our threads about this one for a while, and um, there's so much about it that it's just right up all of our alley. <clears throat> alleys. Um, so, yeah, we'll be talking about that a little bit 
on the podcast here shortly, but um, I kind of wanted to see anything come up between now and the last time we recorded it. Any other things that we want to talk about news-wise or any other... Um, I don't know. I know I, there's a couple things that came up, a couple things right before we recorded that I wanted to bring up, but um, I don't know if anything's on the tip of your tongues before I bring that up, so give you guys a chance to throw something out there if you like. Um, one thing I did think was really interesting was the announcement that Blumhouse was coming out with four horror films in October. Um, yeah, eight over the next two years, I think. Like, yeah, yeah. Wow. Four, four next... Uh, season as well, or next year as well. That's nuts, man. I'm, yeah, it's I, interesting. I, yeah. Um, I wonder if that has to do with the whole idea of, you know, just having a place to put movies nowadays and then finding the perfect opportunity through a streaming service to kind of put them safely in a place where they could be enjoyed in a space rather than just kind of putting them on in a theater and them going into nowhere land. Around this time, man. Were these movies ever going to come out in theaters and then they got shunted off? Or was this a deal between Bloomhouse and Netflix that w- might have released somehow in theaters, but now is just circumventing that entirely? Because what we've mentioned, I, I don't have the names of the, of this, there's like a, they, they have an overall name for this project or, because uh, I know the four movies have different titles and then there's some name for the project, I think. But isn't um, it like, isn't it like Welcome to the Blumhouse? Yeah. Or something like that? Yes. And, and just to be clear, I think it's on Amazon, right? Not Netflix. Oh, shoot. Amazon Prime. Amazon, yeah. So I don't know a whole lot about the, the first four. I do feel like one of them was at, Sundance. Um, I, I forget which one it was. I know I heard someone on another podcast I listened to. I know one of them I think was at Sundance, and one of them was based off of uh, one of the Audible original like uh, audio books that they publish. I think that one is the one called Evil Eye, which I've I've heard about that audio book before. But I think that's one of the four that come out this year. But um, I don't really know too much about it to be honest with you. Like there's I've seen some of the synopsis for the four, but. I, I can't imagine that they're, with the exception if the one was at Sundance, like I feel like it might have been The Lie, maybe. Um, so the four titles are called The Lie, Black Box, Nocturne, and Evil Eye. Evil Eye is the one based on the Audible original, and I, I think The Lie may have been the one that was at Sundance. But, I mean, it, it's so hard to tell now with some of these, um, all well, really, a lot of these things coming out on the different platforms, whether it's Hulu or Amazon, or even Netflix, like, you know, besides the big titles that had theatrical dates that we knew got pulled and then sold off or anything like that, it's it's hard to say what the intentions were for some of these, because some of these could have been developed directly for Amazon or for Netflix or wherever they're ending up, but I, I don't know enough about these four specific ones to be able to say, you know, if there was intention for anything outside of this you know like this thing this is a great idea this is a great package like blumhouse does something similar with hulu where they release like the the horror movies theme to like the holidays throughout the year you know they have like the like i think it's uh, it's 10 to 12 releases in the last year or two they've done um like you know for like thanksgiving for valentine's day for mother's day like you know horror themed shows that seem to be around um you know, different holidays through the year, but you know, there's it's an obvious win to do something like this uh, on Amazon Prime for them because you know, you mentioned Netflix, like Netflix kind of already does something like this, like you know, with a lot of their original content where they 
usually do something similar with like every Friday they have some big Halloween horror movie that comes out. And I say big in air quotes for right. you know, just context, you know. Like they can make a big them. deal out of it, sort of. Right, exactly. Like it's it's a it's a marketing big, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the like Netflix is for horror tales or whatever. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's really cool. You know, like Blumhouse has obviously got a lot in motion and a lot of production stuff going that was obviously done before COVID or at least in post-production. And this is a good outlet for them and it's good timing. And again, it's just a good competition um, for Netflix, which has a lot of original stuff that I'm sure is coming out in October. And I mean, they have some big th- uh, TV stuff that's possibly coming out in October. Like, you know, The Haunting of Bly Manor hasn't been confirmed. There's been no trailer, but that's kind of one I keep reading about. I was wondering if that was coming um, out before the end of the year. I think it is. Um, I think I mentioned on one of the other podcasts that, like, I was listening to an interview with Mike Flanagan, and he definitely confirmed that it was coming out in 2020. And uh, you got to think, like, if it's anywhere near being done, like... I mean, come this on! Is the like, time. You got you yeah. got to get that out, like around the horror, you know, around the the holiday, the horror, you know, the horror fans, the fans of Hill House, like especially with no Stranger Things this year, they kind exactly, of need that totally. something that fits into that spot. Yep, that yep. So of, if that happens, you know, it's a cool thing that Amazon's got four Blumhouse titles for you know the people that like Blumhouse that go see a lot of the stuff they put out theatrically right. or or watch what they put out on the streaming platforms, but. It is a cool idea, and I mean, as horror fans, you know, in general, this podcast is, and um, it's cool that, you know, on some of the top streaming platforms that there's going to be no lack of, you know, original horror movies time to come out right around Halloween, so that'll be, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, me too. Especially with the quality of recent direct-to-VOD yeah. horror movies like like uh, Host and The Rental, where you know I, I would rank them pretty highly amongst my recent horror picks. So Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I wanted to mention, you mentioned this yeah. to us, Ronald, and I don't know if, if you got around to seeing it, Steve, but a Happy Happy Joy Joy, the, uh, the Ren and Stimpy uh, documentary. Did you watch it? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that just a minute. I mean, I know we're going to spend a lot of time on Lovecraft Country, and I don't know that we would give a a full big segment to this movie, but this documentary, which is equal parts just a, 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 I don't know, a good oral history of the making of Ren and Stimpy. You get to see a lot of faces that you may have associated with names uh, over the years. If you watch Ren and Stimpy, you've seen a lot of these these names. Um and it was cool to see the faces, and it was cool to hear the story. But there's a there's a shadow hanging over that, which is that John Kay, the creator of Ren and Stimpy, or the one of the the, the guy who first drew Ren and Stimpy, <clears throat> and is seen by many as the the creative genius behind it, what what the, how they innovated and that show really took the animation world by storm. But it it it, it marries a, a story of that with a, a story of what a manipulative, terrible person. John K yeah. is, yeah, um, and it, I'm not going to be coy about it. I mean, the guy's a sexual predator and uh, serial sexual predator, it seems. So um, I'm very creeped out by that, and I do think the movie addresses fairly effectively the question of how do you embrace something that you love that almost has nothing to do with the person that made it, but in some ways is so born of that person's energy and that person's personality that it's hard not to feel aspects of them in that work. Um, I guess I should throw it to one of you guys since you've both seen it. I mean, do you think this movie did a good job of of sort of 
incorporating those ugly truths? Or did it feel to you like a movie that was trucking along uh, that was going to be a pretty standard pop cultural doc and then like almost had to deal with this other thing? It feels very fragmented in that way. But I think we're getting to the point now where you can't ignore how predatory um, men in power are sometimes. Um, and to, to exclude that from their story uh, is, is, is very dismissive of the truth and the whole truth. Um, but man, it is jarring when it goes from just, you know, it, it's very clear that John had some like <laughs> behavioral issues throughout just the way that geniuses do, you know, there's some inappropriate things people say, forcing people to stay up all night to work, things like that. Pretty standard abuse of power things. And then when it starts to get into the sexual abuse, it the tone changes. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the way that the Tarantino doc changed when it started to talk about everything surrounding... Um, why can't I remember his name right now, man? This, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Tarantino guy. Uh, Weinstein. Yeah, Weinstein. The tonal change. The tonal change in that documentary about Quentin Tarantino. I think it was called Eight. Or uh, the tonal change between those two, between the uh, the original story and the predatory stuff, is so jarring. And it feels like this in there, man. But yeah, I guess if they were to have a best case scenario, this would be it in terms of the way that it transitions into the information. So. Because it has access to all the key people maybe that you would want to hear speak about it. Like I was impressed that they had John Kay himself responding to it and that it wasn't just something they edited in after they got a talk with him. I feel like in no means is this like a hagiography hey, of, of about him or about Ren and Stimpy or, you know... Whatever it is, because I feel like pretty early on, like there's a lot of commentary and just like a lot of the talking heads is 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 not just praising him. I mean, like there's a lot of like little things peppered in there about the the questionable things about him in the office space, you know, in personal relationships, um, and just you know, kind of how he carried himself and you know in in the studio world and. It just seemed like it kind of was working up to to me. It seemed like there there was a shift in this film and you know in this documentary, but I felt like it wasn't as sudden as some other you know things I've seen. Um, simply because like from the jump, I kind of felt like I had a feeling. I mean, even knowing what I know about John Kay, like and what I've read, like the the big BuzzFeed thing that they broke, you know, a, a few years ago, that kind of you know brought it all to light things that had been kind of like known behind the scenes about him and the underage um, girls that he had dated for a long time and just such disgusting stuff. But, you know, even knowing that stuff, starting this movie, I didn't for once think it was like going about this, you know, it wasn't like a praise train about Ren and Stimpy and him. Like, I think it was, I did a pretty good job of like, you know, like kind of like John was saying earlier on, like, you know, it's kind of hard to separate it from, the artist from the work and, you know, his obvious, you know, genius in ways that kind of got this show to where it was and, and it did what it did for animation in the time that it came out. And, and admittedly, like it's a show I was obsessed with growing up. I love that show. Um, and I still watch it from time to time. And I mean, it's just really hard to kind of reckon with that, you know, to kind of separate the two. I've always, I always have trouble with that, but especially like in the, in this doc, you, you see so much about just, um, 
you know, how much of him is in the characters and how much of his relationships with people in his life are in the other characters. And like, um, it's just hard to watch some of that, you know, as a grown man now and looking back on a show that I love and still do really enjoy. And I don't know, but, I, but overall though, like I, I did feel like the doc did a pretty good job, um, kind of setting up the change that was coming in terms of the, the, the more disgusting, uh, stuff that we just talked about, but, and, and that he's a part of. And, um, but I don't know. It's, it's like, it's like, it's, it's such a hard conversation to have because like, you, 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 you know, people admire, um, the product because it's not only him that made this product and you see so much of the love and passion and skill and talent and genius that was involved with Ren and Stimpy that was not him. Um, and while he is a big, big part of it and, and the real kind of catalyst to what it started out as, you know, there's way more people that, you know, have a part of this story that, you know, it really is unfortunate to, to see his decisions and his um, actions kind of like have an impact on, on their part of the history of this property, you know, and that's always the case when we talk about this stuff, you know, with these, you know, filmmakers or studio heads or producers, whatever, that kind of come to light of the inappropriate things they've done. But it's just, it's just a hard thing to watch and talk about, but especially like when you think about, you know, and like person, like a person my age or Ronald, like we're very close in age and, you know, like, you know, you watch a show like this and you think about like where you were when you were watching and like, you know, things beyond what you're watching on the screen, like as a certain age, like is, is there's nothing beyond that when you're just watching this show, you know, um, at least, you know, when I was younger watching it, like it just entertained me. But then when you start to hear about it and you start to listen and, and learn about the making of it and really kind of um, like the byproducts of of people that like kind of maybe suffered during the making of that show. It's really, it, it just changes the way you feel about something. I mean, and again, it's not saying that I don't like Ren and Stimpy still, cause I do still love that show. And you know, and it's, and the crazy thing is too, like re watching this doc the other day. And then I'm reading an article about how Ren and Stimpy is being rebooted again. You know, like comedy central is rebooting Ren and Stimpy because the property is a viable property to them and people would still watch it. You know, they're doing this whole thing where they're bringing back clone high and they're bringing back Beavis and butthead and Ren and Stimpy. And they have this whole comedy block that they're doing because it's still, it's still something that people like, you know, it's still, it's still like, it's still property. It's still IP that they could probably mine and make relevant again. But his part in it is just, it's hard. It's hard to, yeah, I don't know. I have, I have so much trouble like trying to get my head around like how I feel about, the show when you like hear about things that like somebody that created it it's like you just think that person is like the worst person because it's like they hoodwinked you and especially with yeah, something yeah, that's for that's kids right. and so many people grew up on it's like that you tricked me i thought you were giving me a window <clears throat> into these ugly uh traits and characters you know these that's violent and there's all this anxiety and there's and they'd stress right. that in the show that like ren and stimpy are about sort of ugly emotions in a lot of ways yeah um, but if you understand that the person behind it is getting their ugly emotions out through this cartoon you can have this catharsis with them but if you yeah. find out that they were doing ugly things to people it yeah. makes you feel like you were made complicit in something you know without your 
without your consent and without your knowledge. And it, it may, that may sound melodramatic, but it is, it is very off-putting because we, I don't think I define myself by the pop culture that I buy into, but I do sort of have a stake in it. And when I, when I pick the wrong horse, it does bum me out. And it's like you could easily have a movie that's just the difficult genius narrative. And you would already be thinking, do, do we forgive this guy because he's a genius? Or do we still... Because I think that's one thing that the current kind of whatever you want to call this era is, cancel culture, Me Too, whatever, um, it, it is that it has caused me to consider that whole idea of the difficult genius. And it's like, well, why do you put up with people who are being abusive? Why do you put up with manipulative people? Not to put it on the victims there, but I'm just saying culturally, I feel like we're shrugging yeah. off this idea I don't think John Kay would be able to run the show the way that he ran it in today's climate at all, you know? No way. Um, and I think that's a good thing. So we have less of a potential for something like Ren and Stimpy to come out now, uh, but there aren't going to be people getting hurt uh, by this by this process, or at least not yeah. as likely. I mean, we know that we know that all aspects of entertainment have a long way to go uh, in that in that regard. Um, but no, it's interesting. And you're right, Steve, it was part of the narrative about him for years. Like I remember interviews with him 10 years ago or more where he would talk about his 16 year old girlfriend. And I just was like, I remember a couple of like animation buff friends of mine and having an argument with them about, I was like, he's a creep. And they were like, no, but he's a genius. You know, that's just blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, it never seemed okay to me. So it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, to see him kind of shiftily address those issues, he, I, I don't think he addressed them very adequately when he had a chance in the documentary. Um, yeah. But I also don't know what I would expect him to say, uh, because there's not much you can say. You know, he 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 still seems to want to make, to explain how what he did wasn't so bad, you know, and that's, so it doesn't seem like he's grown or whatever, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah it's it's a hard thing, man. It's a hard thing to watch. But it's a good doc. It is. So, you know, here's a great segue, guys. You know, another artist who's beloved by many and very influential, but is extremely problematic? H.P. Lovecraft. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Anyone who knows anything about Lovecraft has for years, decades known, whatever, however long, that he's a racist. uh, And if you've read his letters to other writers, you know he's also sort of a a prick. Um, I find that this conversation getting going on the level that it's getting going right now is is great because now people mention Lovecraft and they instantly talk about that aspect. Whereas for years I felt like, why are people, like people would be getting on board with Lovecraft, people that I knew that were very progressive and they'd say, oh, have you read this Lovecraft stuff? It's great. And then I would be like, they haven't gotten to that racist stuff yet, I guess. <laughs> because as much as I, I mean, I've had volumes of the guy's stuff and I've read so much of it and I know all about it and I love the people that he influenced and I love the people that influenced him, you know. Um, but, and he was a like a, a very, I don't know, in, he was influential for a reason, but a lot of problems. A guy who you almost feel sorry for when you hear the details about how uh, just fucked in the head he was. He was he was almost like an Anglophile. Like he really thought that he was like a proper gentleman and that anybody who wasn't like him was somehow a deviant or a weirdo. But it broke uh-huh. down very easily on racial stuff and he was a xenophobe and I don't know, it, terrible guy. So it's great to see a show that that gets to play around with really not so much Lovecraftian styled horror, but just horror tropes and sci-fi tropes um, that addresses head on the fact that many of the people who wrote the stuff that we love uh, were racist assholes, you know? Um, and I, I, how do you guys think the show reckons with that as a reason for being? And then beyond that, like, let's get into this. HBO's Lovecraft Country. Maybe we should maybe open with the first episode because that, to me, is the introduction to this world and everything surrounding it. And 
I mean, for a first episode, um, it was pretty impressive, man. It was a lot of good world building. Um, Tick and everything surrounding Tick, I'm super fascinated by um, the main character. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that's what I wanted to start off with. I thought that the first episode was some great, great storytelling for a pilot episode. And it, it introduced way more, I, to the point where I watched the episode and I was like, this was just an hour? I feel like I watched three stories in one thing. And maybe that's a testament to having source material that you could kind of pick and choose how you want to tell it. But well, You know, I think it was um, like almost 70 minutes. So if, if that had 15 more minutes in it, it would have been right. like a, a, a brisk horror film, you know, and that is almost what it was. And it almost sets yeah. up the idea that each episode is going to be its own horror film like that. But it's not quite like that. It's a little bit more continuing as it goes on. But that initial episode yeah. burns through so much story and so much stuff, especially, well, I guess it's by the time we get to the end of the second episode that it's really been like, wow, that is a movie. I mean, that is its own little epic story but the end of the first episode you do get a a set piece you get like a full-on horror set piece it kind of reminded me of evil dead um the set piece we get and also just the way that the show gives you that it reminds me of when watching ash versus evil dead um on stars a couple of years ago whenever that was on that you could count on every episode to have at least one like cool horror scene that would either have some cool gore or some cool creatures or something and i think this episode um, it's like it'd be like if Game of Thrones in the pilot episode there was a scene with a bunch of dragons going crazy. Like Lovecraft Country right. gets to that point in its in its in its visuals and its storytelling where it asks you to really buy a lot um, in in one episode. Um, and I think it yeah I thought it was really bold. And again we talk about the HBO development process and production value, but you really feel it in this episode in particular of the show. Yeah, man. Steve, what'd you think? I mean, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think in general, I think it's just like another win for HBO. Uh, but yeah, the pilot, and just as a gateway to this series and this world, there's so much going on. And I kind of, I, I kind of was a little worried um, to be, if I'm being honest, that there was maybe too much going on. Um, you know, but I think the series kind of finds its footing as the episodes go along. But I think the big takeaway for me, like in the in the first episode, is just kind of meeting these. <clears throat> the lead characters that you kind of are going to go on this story with and really, really think there's some great performances in the series so far. Um, Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a gorgeous series. Uh, Jan Damage shot the pilot. Um, if you've seen like 71 or white boy, Rick, I mean, he's a pretty skilled director. Um, but I think the, 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 the pilot looks gorgeous. Um, there's, there's some really interesting stuff happening in the pilot. Um, like some of the shots, like I was reading this article cause I was watching it. I'm like, thinking that some of the shots look so much like some of the, like the Gordon Parks photography. And there's like literally like side by side comparisons in some of these articles that you can find that it's literally like, it looks just like it. Like it's just gorgeous. And I mean, it's amazing. Um, Some of those uh, kind of homages to that photography that take place throughout the pilot and and other, and other episodes in the season that we've seen so far. Um, but I don't know. Like I, th- I think it's a really interesting show, and I think if you're interested in, uh, you know, just how timely it feels like HBO has been able to be um, with shows like this and Watchmen and I May Destroy You, and just shows that seem that they're so of 
like while being in their unique worlds, especially like I guess especially Watchmen and Lovecraft Country, you know, they're they're still so timely and they're so like how how did they possibly, you know, get these series through development? You know, a show like this that's been in development for years, and I think this episode, speaking specifically about the pilot, I want to say it was shot in 2018. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, when when you think about that, and you think about just that HBO touch and the way they're able to do that in their production programming, and it's just really impressive that, like, you know, they're able to get these shows out there that look gorgeous, that are really well produced, well written, have great casting. And it's just really fucking interesting. Like there's so much going on in the show and it's, 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 and, and it's scary beyond what's happening in the story only because of how timely it is to what's happening, you know, right outside our doors right now. And, um, that's, I think some, in some ways that's an experience that recently HBO seems pretty, they, they seem to be de- delivering that pretty consistently. And that's just like a testament to how, how great they do, they do their development, um, with the series that they bring to order and, this uh this is no exception, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't know that I'm at the point where I'm saying I'm loving the show, um, to the point like I thought I would be through five episodes. But I would say like through the last episodes four and five, I definitely was getting closer to that point where like I'm starting to see I think where the series is going and um starting to line line some some things up and um but it's yeah, so far, like, you know, it's it's something it's really impressive and it's kind of crazy. Like looking at all the people involved with it, like Mia Green. And again, I mentioned Yon Dimash did the pilot, AJJ Abrams is a producer, is Jordan Peele's a producer. Misha Green. Is it pronounced? Uh, Misha Green. Is it Misha Green or yeah. Mia Green? Misha Green. Misha Green. Sorry. Um, but yeah, like I saw some episodes of the series that she did underground. Um, I think you talked about that before Ronald, didn't you? Yeah, man. Yeah. I- loved underground yeah really really impressive stuff but there's so much just great stuff working on this show and i mean the fact that you just mix in like the the horror the fantastical the sci-fi the the the, again the timeliness of what we're in now versus what you know these characters were in in that jim crow era america back then right or at least in that world it's just it's crazy how much is going on and yet you still find this like through line of such a like super interesting story of like what is going on and where are we going with with these characters one thing that's really cool is there's two scary things happening at the same time um there's a supernatural and then just racism right yeah just like yep yeah misha green who did underground with underground in this show it's there's two things happening um there there's a there's a language that's uncompromising in this show that that I experience as a black person in the world, right? That doesn't feel like it's discriminatory or any way. Like, like almost the way that Get Out felt. Like, Get Out is a movie that is tackling a very specific thing that will affect people in very different ways that doesn't feel like it's trying to keep anybody out of the world. Uh, another, There's only a couple shows in existence to me that exist like that for black people. I'll say, like, uh, Atlanta... Um, uh, Issa Rae's show, um, Insecure. There are a couple shows that exist that are uncompromising in the way that the language is between people. And it doesn't invite anybody that doesn't want to be there. Right. And anybody that's there is there for a reason. You're willing to understand that, like, this is 
the world. This is this is the world according to the people that have experienced it. Because it's 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 like okay, so there's a a sundown town like they experienced that thing. Yeah, that's right? in the first episode. Yeah, I cannot I cannot express to you how crazy it is to go to Bel Air, Maryland as a black man in 2020 to just go to a town where after dark you will always be pulled over you will always be put in a compromised compromised position that feels like your life is in danger Mm. it's like when i used to do comedy there it was like my 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 fiance would be like i'm gonna stay on the phone with you until you leave bel-air i would always get pulled over it was like dang it felt crazy and it was always on a really dark street and sure, things aren't things aren't the same like that, that they used to be, right? Like the chances of me being killed are high, but it's not like getting hung the way that it used to be. But it feels quite frankly the same as it did watching this footage, which fit, which is obviously supposed to be from a very long time ago. I mean, I felt like throughout it was doing those things to sort of say, "Hey, like this hasn't changed," you know, like this yes. this is familiar, and you know, not just the soundtrack. Uh, being used sometimes to kind of blur time. There's a scene where a character walks across the street up into, I forget, a restaurant or a, or a store or something, and there's just, um, you know, kids playing in the street, and there's, but it's like a, a contemporary hip hop song playing on the soundtrack, and it's like, yeah. um, it, it takes you a second to go, okay, wait a minute. This is this is a comment on sort of things that never change. And I think the show has lots yeah. of things like that, that things never change. But this is a neighborhood scene that doesn't look that different from the way that it would look now to the way that it would have looked in the 50s when this is set. Um, and we should mention, if anyone hasn't heard about the show, it's, it's very narrowly, I would say, it's the story of a young man who's back from the Korean War in the 50s and his kind of journeys across Jim Crow... <laughs> America, uh, as he discovers his connection to like uh, a mystical lineage and all these, that that all this stuff that he loves to read about, he's a horror and sci-fi buff, um, all the stuff that he loves to read about, that he's always felt a certain amount of shame knowing that the people that created it, as I mentioned before, are, are, are racist. Um, but that he's always kind of envied guys in these adventure stories. And then he's sort of he's sort of placed in the middle of one of those stories. And he's the quote-unquote main character. That's Jonathan Majors, who we've enjoyed in uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco and To Five Bloods. Um, <clears throat> but also, uh, there's, I mean, let, what's her name? Journey Smollett as um, as yeah. Letitia Lewis, and she's awesome. Um, Courtney B. Vance plays Uncle George. He's incredible. Michael K. Williams, who always brings this coiled rage and sadness to every role. He should be in the next Paddington film, just so we can see how his energy works in that happy world. Um, but um, no, he's in it, and he's doing his usual like stuff where you just you want to know more about his, his character. Um, and learning more about him is, <clears throat> is honestly uh, one of the cool places where the show is surprising yeah. me at every turn. But um, uh, anyway, there's there's a lot of great characters. And there's like a, there's several moments in this where the score almost had sort of a vintage Spielberg kind of feel and seeing like the two or three characters or, or that we see assembled and they're like in a hallway with a flashlight and they're, they're they've got little <laughs> they've got little uh, leather briefcases and stuff. I mean it, it reminded me so much of that kind of storytelling that I thought there is a certain thrill and I know that one day this should not be a thrill and we should not even notice it but there's a certain thrill in seeing this kind of story with black folks in it 
and no apologies made for the fact that pretty much any white person you're going to encounter is a, is a piece of shit, or at least yeah. has some kind of angle that they're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it reminds me of Get Out in the fact that it's like a world that white people can recognize that level of casual racism, even if they don't think of themselves as guilty of it, but that everything is a micro or a, or a macro aggression. You know, I mean, there's some pretty major yeah. aggressions. This is set in the 50s. But... <clears throat> I just kept getting this little charge from the fact that it was like, I love these characters, maybe more so than the show that they're in, like you said, Steve. I'm enjoying it a lot. I don't know that it's quite clicked for me as like, the, they've quite mastered the tone and everything about yeah. it. But it's so totally. fun to watch. And every time they kind of start to lose me with a scene, there's some moment that like emotionally or just from the adventure part or the, the spookiness or the visuals, there's some good gore. There's some good yeah. uh, horror movie thinking. Um you know, it doesn't surprise me that Jordan Peele had a hand in helping to develop this show. It doesn't surprise me yeah. that J.J. Abrams lent his, uh, you know, whatever structure he could. But this seems like Misha Green's show in the milieu of horror and sci-fi. And the fact that it is, um, you know, it's about a, it's about black America. I kept thinking of our conversation from a few months ago, Ronald, where you were talking about having a difficulty watching and enjoying period pieces at a, at a certain point because you said they feel like they're either sort of omitting the, the experiences of black people or they are lying about the experiences of black people. And I was like, this is cool to see a period piece that I can enjoy the production values of the period piece and the costumes and the cars. And yet <clears throat> I can also see that it's dealing like up front with those issues and it's trying to do this other thing as you've said two things at once it's 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 a it's a horror adventure story well it, some of it feels like I don't, I don't i mean like there's a through line right but some of it feels like each episode if if the through line wasn't included could pass as like twilight zone episodes mm -hmm. like they feel very very isolated and they have like a lesson in them and some conscious idea and some like symbolism in some of it. Like I was watching each episode. They felt so isolated from each other besides some of the through line that I was like, man, these these could be in any order besides that main through line mm -hmm. and be separate just episodes of a story. Right. And I wonder if as it gets further away from the book, like you're saying, if they literally become these like just one episode that has nothing to do with anything and you know maybe maybe the next episode might be connected and they just kind of do that it felt so separate right. each one felt so separate i remember reading the book knowing it was going to be a show the book is by matt ruff who is a pretty good writer and it's not a bad book at all but it it didn't quite like just like the show doesn't really delve into the sort of horror that was in Lovecraft stories that much, um, the book didn't. The book almost felt like it was misnamed. Like it's much more about like a general survey of kind of sci-fi horror and the sort of stuff that people wrote stories about in the pulpy magazines. It's Lovecraft, but it's many other people. Um, but I think the name definitely has a right to be there because of the way the show addresses race, and he is kind of the granddaddy of the genre in many ways. So it deserves to be we we deserve to be reminded of of who he really was. Um, but uh, but what, what really struck me about that aspect of it was that, whereas in the book I was reading those separate stories and kind of wanting it to build up to be more, I knew while I was reading it, oh, this is going to be a show, and I can see how that'll work for a television show, because 
you can draw out some of these stories a little bit longer. You can spend a little more time seeing what the characters are seeing. But also, you have the option of second, third season, whatever they might do, of of picking up some of these threads that the book might seem like it didn't adequately deal with. And now, after watching the show, I my opinion of the book has raised a little bit just because now that I've kind of... I guess I've grown to like these characters a little more, seeing them fleshed out. I now admire the the invention of this this world because it is a good setup. This idea that that Atticus or Tick, um, the main character, his his family was involved in the production of a of a guide uh, for travelers, so that you know a black person would have this guidebook and it would tell them places they can go. I mean, it's very much like a green book kind of concept, but it's almost filtered through a slightly more urban legendy. It feels a little bit spookier what they're doing, uh, but maybe that's just because of the backdrop. But um, I thought I thought that was a really cool thing to include in this story, and maybe even to take that that plot device back from Green Book. Yeah. I think one of the the things that like Ronald was kind of mentioning it earlier, I, I and you're kind of continuing it, but I mean the idea that um, I don't know that I really feel it's like it's strong enough that like the episodes would kind of exist on their own because I feel like there's a lot of things that are tying them together. But it is. But you are right in the sense that like it kind of sort of. Not so much Twilight Zone, and it's not the same kind of show, but it kind of reminded me of like more like the X Files, where you know there was like a through line story that would come into the episode, maybe twenty percent of the episode, but like you know you had these like bottle adventures that like these two were always on, and while some of them really didn't like talk directly to the real mystery that you were following with the leads, you know some of them did and like you know like you said john like these episodes the first five that we were uh fortunate enough to see it did feel like you know episode one kind of has like the creature feature vibe and you know two has a bit of like the mystical fantastical stuff going on and three is like a haunted house and four is like a um like the adventure almost like an indiana jones total adventure and then the last one that we were able to see like kind of had that body horror stuff, which actually was some of the coolest stuff I thought in yeah. the series so far. And that um, episode goes to a really dark place, yeah. no matter how you look yeah. at Almost it. Almost like Tarantino dark. Like it got like, I was like, what? Right, right. I had to walk away, to be honest with you. Like at that right. point, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And Aaron's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's funny. But it's like, it's an interesting, like. <laughs> I think I know the good, exact part you're talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a, that's a, that's a, but I think that's an asset of the show though. You know, I think that we're all kind of hitting on that element of it, which is a good takeaway is that like there, there has been something unique to each episode that has made it feel different while still, you know, following Letty and, and Tick and, you know, learning more about Montrose and like, you know, all these little things that, you know, we're kind of just building up the story that we're supposed to be following. There are these other characters experiencing things that, are kind of playing in all these genre pools that we just love to, mm-hmm. to get in sometimes. So I think that has been like my big takeaway from the series is I think that's maybe like one of the strongest assets that it's running with right now is that I don't know what series, you know, episodes six through 10 look like, but you know, it's, I'm very curious to see, you know, kind of how they continue to play with those elements of the genre. And, um, you know, it, it's like, you know, and I'm, we're not going to really talk spoilers, really. I don't think we should personally um, all that much. But, you know, I think it's really cool, um, you know, like the opening scene of the series. You know, there's a character involved that like really is a character that obviously is going to have a big part in the series that we don't really know much about le- at this point. But I love how like, you know, at the end of season of, of episode five, like that character 
or at least the actress playing that character, you know, she comes back into the story in a big way that, you know, she's popped up here and there through other episodes. But I think that's that's kind of what I'm saying about, like, the X-Files thing where, like, there were all these characters that would go away for a while, but then they would come back and you knew the presence of that character had something to say about that bigger story that, you know, we're, we're really intended to follow through the season. There's one episode that starts with all the characters piling into a car um, to go on a trip and to a museum. And we know why some of the characters are going and the other characters are going for a different reason. And yet it has the feeling of like, if this was the show and every episode, it was a few of these characters piling into that car to go to some place to investigate something. It would be that X-Files show you're talking about, Steve. It would be almost like that episode of the week format that I think this show could sustain. But usually by the end of an episode, anything I start thinking about, like, oh, this is the new format. I'm like, oh, no, it's not going to be these. Th- I thought it was going to be these three characters together all the time, but it can't be that now. Well, no, I thought it was going to be these three, but no, that doesn't seem like it's going that way. Uh, everybody has their own story and their own purpose to the story, yeah. and that feels very interesting and dangerous, and like you don't know what a character... There's a couple characters who I would... Who I I don't think are going to utterly shock me with like what moral level they'll sink to. But other than those two characters, everybody else on the show has done something that I've been like, well, dang, I don't I don't know that I understood who they were. I thought I did, you know. Um, yeah. But it's interesting to see the way that the different sorts of horror will intermingle. There's no like overarching mythology uh, to this world yet, except for just. Shit is real, you know? <laughs> Stuff happens. When someone says haunted house or someone says vampire or whatever, they might literally mean it. Believe them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah please Run! <laughs> um, yeah, I think, Steve, you are on to something, man. There, there are parts of it that feel um, a bit f- fragmented. And, you know, like, I've connected with these characters and... Um, some of it might be what it's what it's doing, like the the, mm-hmm. the 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 fact that you can like these individual characters. I even like the villains or or, or the perceived villains in this movie. I mean, in the show. Oh, I don't know if you guys heard that. We did hear that. <laughs> that was loud as hell. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I necessarily like love. But no, I like all the characters, and I think that's the point of all of it. Like, I think that the relationships and the way they clash, and this bigger story that's developing as the stories go on, in the in between these mini stories that are also building on it. But you're right; there, it's elements that are kind of coming together. Parts that I kind of you can kind of figure out if you pay attention to everything. They they kind of tell you in some ways, but yeah. there have been some big surprises, and um, I I think. It, it, you're right. It, it's 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 developing its footing, and and around the I think the end of the third is when I've started to really understand. Like, okay, this this pace is something I could get used to. These characters, I'm I'm starting to kind of love in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, I I don't know. It it feels like I kind of told Stephen you that it felt like. Uh, kind of true blood at, at you know parts of it because there's blood, a kind of almost like a goofiness to it or something pulpy or a pulpiness to it the the southern accents on true blood were too jarringly <laughs> fake to me <laughs> 
um, after they a while. Were, but I don't yeah. know how silly it got. But my impression was that it had some pretty wacky storylines on it. And this show feels like it could go there. There's one music cue right at the top of the second episode that I hope is not a temp cue. There was some temp music and temp effects. Mm-hmm. But there's a little opening music sequence in the second episode that I hope is what they use on the show because it was fucking brilliant. And it was another like lifted from another place. Do you know the moment I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I just was like, oh my God, they can do anything. I mean, honestly, when I heard that song played in this world, I was like, okay, they can do anything now. Um, because they're, the, the song fit the moment, but it also makes you think of another iconic show that is maybe a show that you could say in some strange way, pave the way for this show. Uh, I don't know. There's so much like wit behind those decisions. And you were talking about this, the different feels of the different episodes. The, the, um, the third episode, the ghost story one, it like breaks up its structure with like title cards and like opening script that's different. I don't think any of the other episodes do that. And that actually felt like they were kind of saying like, this is formatted like it's a different kind of thing. Like it's, it's like, it's a little short movie set that it's uh... so no, I, I think if with that in mind, they could do some amazing things going forward, especially because like I said, there's, there's, they've burned through about uh, 40% of the plot of the book already in the first five episodes. I don't see how they, they don't just have a clean slate in season two, unless they, they hold something back. So yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. We shall see. This could be it. This could be that new HBO that show that I feel like it is very in your face and very hardcore HBO when it comes to the violence and the sex. That stuff, when it throws, when it happens, it's very much in, you know, like uh, that thought of maybe I could watch this with my 12 year old son who likes horror. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They make sure of that about once an episode. But um, for adults, this is a this is a fun mix of uh, a lot of different stuff. So it'll be interesting it to see if it kind of picks a tone if it goes along or if it just continues to you know show you that it can do anything. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's 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 a fresh. I mean, especially as we're consuming as many shows as we're consuming during our, this uh, quarantine and everything, it was a nice change of pace and. You know, it does it does have its flaws, but man, it's it it it's very it feels very fresh to me, and I needed it. Yeah, definitely excited to see where it goes. Now we now we have to wait. I know. Now yeah. we're just like all the other jackasses out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But it's definitely something to look forward to for sure. So yeah, thank you HBO. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes, thank um, you HBO. You bumped another HBO show. We were going to talk about Perry Mason this episode, but we got we got Lovecrafted. Yeah, yeah, we did, man. Um, did you finish it, Steve? I did. Okay, Ronald, real quick. This is just something because it's related sure, to what we just said. Sure, sure. What do you think about Perry Mason as a show that, like this show, might even benefit if it was more like Case of the Week? Like, don't you? Because th- here's what I was here's what I would say about Perry Mason. I felt like the acting was great. The production values, which you know I'm a fan of, you pointed out to me. What about the fifth time you hear someone say the production values are great? You know they're not saying something else is great. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I love everything about it. But I didn't think the story was that great, and I didn't. It reminded me of like the second season of True Detective or something, where I didn't hate it, but I got to the end and I went like, I don't really know that that story needed to be stretched out over eight episodes. Like with the twists and turns it had in it, it didn't. It didn't. I don't know. It wasn't. The, the the reason to watch that show was not the the twisting turning plot for me. It was more about like just seeing Matthew Reese 
yell at people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it was a little bit more, a little bit less serialized, maybe I would, I would enjoy seeing him take on a case that lasts like a couple episodes and get a season where you get like two or three of those. I would think that would feel kind of fresh. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if by the time we got to the end of eight hours, I was that invested in this particular case, but maybe that was just me. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I try to think, uh, like I know when you mentioned that before, like I, I try to imagine that kind of show on HBO and I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, it, I guess it could be there, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't really have, uh, that, that type of reaction to it. I, I was kind of invested in the story. I didn't really think it was like any kind of amazing, like yeah. story or twisty turny, any kind of special thing like that. It was more of a, like just totally being engrossed by the, the period and the way, you know, the production and the way, you know, people are, you know, changing with the way the world is changing then, you know, in, in, in technology and police work and, you know, religion and well, that stuff was great. I liked that stuff was really interesting to me. Like that, that, that stuff is like, that was some of the most interesting stuff of the show. But again, like you said, like the big thing for me was like, I think the cast is amazing. I I love the the cast of the show. Matthew Reese is always great. I love, love Shea Wiggum, you know, like I just, um, Lithgow is always great. Yeah, I mean, he was amazing, and he did exactly know, like, what his character should have done in terms of what he needed to do for the story. Right, he filled right. you with. You've got to introduce like a, a lot of these stories. That if you have like a benefactor or a mentor at the beginning, you think to yourself, okay, they're either not going to make it to the end, or yeah. they're going to turn out to have secrets and be evil. Yeah. You, you yeah. never start off a story with a great mentor, and then at the end of the story, have him like, "I'm glad I taught you. Yes, you were a <laughs> well great done, mentor. <laughs> you told me every. You told me the truth, and Guaranteed, you did well." Yeah. <laughs> um, some, yeah, something's got to happen. You got to have something in the middle of the story. But no, I agree. And right. what's her name? Rylance? Uh, is that uh, Julia Rylance? Is that her name? Who played? Uh, is that Dell? Della. Yeah. Yeah. Della Street. She was great. And yeah, Shea Wiggum. It, yeah. He, you know, he, it's interesting. The, I love Shea Wiggum I, so, so much. He's so cool. He's so much like an old timey actor, you know? Like, he kind of gives me that like Michael Sheen vibe. Like, you know, just like he's kind of so different yeah. than everybody else I'm watching on the screen. So like when he's on the screen, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy or questionable in every regard, mm-hmm. like I'm just like glued to watching his like little ticks on his face and like him just not making eye contact with the main character as he's talking to him. Mm-hmm. You know, just like things like that. I just love about his performances and a lot of the stuff that he does, and, and you know, especially in the series. Yeah, but you, I don't know. Maybe we can talk more about it once Ronald sees. I don't want to. I don't want to. One, one other thing, you know, the, one of the two kind of corrupt cops. The yeah. not the not the really rough one, the one who's like the more hanging back, laconic one. Do you recognize him? He's the uh, the CIA spook on um, Narcos who shows up. He's got like a beard oh. and glasses and yeah. everything. Yep, yep. Great, yep. great character actor. He's one, and he was also on Lost, I believe. He was a Lost. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was on Lost. Um, he's actually it's in Lost that he had glasses. It's on. Uh, on Narcos, he's got long hair and a beard. But anyway, whenever he shows up, he brings something to a role, and it looks like he's going to have you know maybe more to do if this show continues. So I was glad to see him kind of become more than it just got, a it background got a, guy. It got a season two pickup. Yep. Yeah. So. I do feel like it's now set up to be the show that I perhaps want it to be because I just remember. I mean, the whole thing that they jokingly refer to it once in this show that Perry Mason used to get people to confess on the stand. That's what he always did, and they they make a point in one episode of this that that never happens. No one ever never confesses happens, yeah. on the stand. But I would like to see a little bit of that sort of Perry Mason keeps getting you know like because I I don't know it, it's like I said Matthew Reese is a great yeller. He, he seems really emotional. He seems like he. 
he might cry when he's when he's mad. Um, I think there's something powerful about that kind of hero. He seems almost fragile and uh, unstable <laughs> for this yeah. type of guy. Do you watch anything, Ronald? The Deathstroke animated movie, the DC movie, um, I really enjoyed. Uh, I don't know, man. DC, um, especially in the 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 fandom coming uh, this coming weekend, they have a ton of um, announcements that are, that they're gonna make. And I think this is a sweet spot that they have right now where Marvel isn't doing a lot of content and DC has a chance to kind of make a couple moves. The Snyder Cut, the new trailer's coming, the new Batman, um, there's going to be a teaser for that during the weekend. Uh, it, it just feels like this really cool energy surrounding all things DC right now. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. So um, the Deathstroke movie... Um, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, what else? Did I talk about Lower Decks on CBS Access? Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the second episode of that. It's really good. Um, I, I, I just think that it's consistently funny in this these two episodes. I know that a lot of people don't like it because it's just not a live-action good Star Trek show. But it's fun, man. It feels kind of like Rick and Morty. Um, with a lot of next generation, uh, sort of references, but, um, 90 day fiance, man. Um, that's another thing I want to throw out there. If, if you, if you have a heart in your chest, the 90 day fiance universe in love after lockup. I've watched several 90 day fiances and that's, I always had very uh, mixed feelings about depending on the sort of situation depicted there were times where i was like oh that's sweet and there are other times where it was like oh this is a creepy situation oh that's the magic the creepiness is the magic of that show because there's like you know that you're going to be on camera and people still still are slithering snakes and when you address it on the reunion they're like well i just thought it's like 90 day fiance man Love after luck, love after lockup, and ninety day fiance. If you want to watch something that is both sleazy, and inspiring, and slightly emotional, those two shows. Would that be sleaze spiring? There's got to be a good <laughs> word for that. <laughs> sleaze spiring is hilarious, but yes, yeah. So that's what I've been. I feel like maybe there's some other stuff. Rattle off some stuff you guys have seen. Um, there's only three episodes out so far, but I think it may be one of the like one of my favorite comedies that I've seen so far this year. Um, it's a new series on Apple TV Plus called Ted Lasso mm-hmm. with uh, Jason Sudeikis. It's kind of based on I don't know if you there were some like sports promos that he did um, a couple years ago um, for NBC Sports as the character, but uh, basically it's like a that taken to series with Apple TV plus about like an American uh, collegiate football coach um, basically going over to coach one of the premier league soccer clubs in, in England and, and basically just like the fish out of water story. But um, I, I, I like genuinely love the show. Like I, it's so optimistic and so like, like warm and positive and like his character is so like sweet um that it's like it's a it's like kind of infectious and it kind of happens in the show to all the characters that he comes in contact with it's just like a really positive show that i don't know maybe that's a good mix of some other shit i've been watching but 
Um, you know, Apple TV Plus came out. It came out last week, but uh, I think they did the thing where they did like three episodes. Oh, and then they're they're premiering the last like seven over every Friday from there on out. So I'd recommend checking. Steve, it out I saw that. Seen it? I did see that. Yeah. I, yeah. Man, I cannot stress to you how much it pulled at my heartstrings. Man, you're right. There's a sweetness. To Aaron it. was like, Aaron was like in love with it watching man, it. Like, like there, there's some, it's so sweet. There's some scenes where like. He is looking in the face of evil, and he does something really funny, and everybody's like, "Fuck, I love this dude. He's so right. likable, man." And it's it doesn't feel. I don't know, man. I I think the older I get, the more I just want some like cool, funny stuff that's light, and I and I don't mind the yeah. heavy stuff. We 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 can always dive into that. That's what I'm saying. We talk about we talk it all about the time. it like crazy. We talked about right. a crazy show about that deals with race, right? But man, this show is one of the better shows I've seen in a really long time. It's also the crispest show. One of the most beautifully shot shows that I've ever seen. And look, I get feels, man. I love London. Like I you ask anybody, I go there, I try to go yeah. there yearly. And it's one of those places you kind of don't know until you watch a bunch of stuff with it. But it has. Mm -hmm. There's a magic to it. There's a magic to it. Yeah. And seeing an American, a southern, a southern dude, just plopped in the middle of it and reacting to it, is so good, man. And, and and he's open. It's not like you see people go places and they're just like, "This is a bit." I'm I'm used to America. He's just like, "Okay, well, this is different." Like, how do you guys? <laughs> yeah, like how do you guys do it here? Let me learn. Like, you yeah. know, he's just like. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even like he's like always trying to like cut it with comedy. He's like he's like some of it is just so genuinely uh I don't know, just like optimistic. I don't know, like he just like the openness of the character. I, I, again, like this is something I didn't really know much about. I saw the trailer for it and I seen some of the a couple of the promo skits uh skits that they did with the NBC Sports for it um like before when they did it, but a pleasant surprise. I just like randomly watched all three of them last night with Aaron and we were just both like, we love that show. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's no more. And they and I was like, oh, they're doing the thing where they yeah. release a couple Bastards. and they do it every Friday. So. Jason Sudeikis is a great guy. I like I like him anyway. Like so it's like it, I love like, him. His comic energy kind of deserves to be, you know, find a good character for him to play like yeah. that. So Yeah. It's kind of like it, it's not it's not the, it, I don't want to say it's the same thing. It's not at all, but like it's kind of like in that, you know, uh What's the one that uh, Hank Azaria has? The the baseball one. Brockmeyer. Brockmeyer. Like you know, different characters, different setups, but it's like that same kind of thing where there's just like a lot of really good comedic beats. There's some heart. You know, there's like some silly characters. You know, there's a little bit of sports. If you don't like sports, you don't. It doesn't matter at all. But I mean, it's like just it's just funny seeing not just a fish out of water. You know, as a man in a different country, but like you know, a man coaching a different sport that's called the same thing mm -hmm. here. You know, it's like. It, or something, you know, it's just like, it's funny that mm -hmm. the idea of that's just fun, I think. And it's simple. And like Ronald said, like, it's nothing. It's just like, it's like, it's just easy to watch. And it just felt good watching it. And it was just like, yeah, that was good. I, I think they did a really good thing. And, and it's a really good show. I would, I'm excited to see the rest of the season. Man, you, something about that show got me randomly emotional that shouldn't have gotten me emotional. I know. So it's I'll, weird. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, and it doesn't spoil anything. You know, the... When the, the the search, the eternal search that the boss had, and then we find mm -hmm. out where the gift comes from, I yeah. man, I like, I don't know what know. it was. It's, it's something about just how you know you 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 just have 
an idea. It, it you have ideas about the world, and then you meet somebody that's just like, nah, it's not that bad. It's it could be kind of nice. It yeah. could be kind of beautiful if you just kind of try to make it that way. And he's he's kind of forcing his way, which is kind of positive and it's not yeah. perfect, and kind of putting it on, you know, spreading it slowly. Give, giving people these nice little mm. doses of kindness and it's affecting some people literally in ways that they that they hate but they're like how do i handle kindness <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like, so cool man. <laughs> that that's that's what it is it's just a simple fact and it's simple like you said and like i've said th- what works about that scene you're talking about or that whole setup is that it's just a real it's just a reminder in all the crap that we talk about and all the shit that we face you know that there are still really genuinely like good sweet kind people in the world and it's like if you can come across one or two in your life in your day-to-day like it just it just it can make your day better and these are characters that he's interacting with that just need that and like it's just simple it's just like a hey let's let's find that let's do that let's be that for the for for the people around us so it's like especially i like seeing that for sure especially now yeah exactly yeah exactly um i'm watching little voices uh little voice on there as well the hbo i mean hbo jesus uh the apple tv plus show and I'm is that the Sarah Bareilles? Yeah, man. I it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a that's another one of those shows. It, it's heavy, but like, man, it's it's a it's a fun watch. It's it's like a lot of cool singing and I don't know. I I like it. I think that Apple TV Plus is doing something that feels. I mean, like it's it's just quality over quantity. There's just a thing that they're going for, and if you like it, you like it. If you don't. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I like it. I like what they're going for. Nice. I started watching Channel Zero kind of on your recommendation, Steve, um, and uh, that I would enjoy it. And it has been good. I mean, the mood, the pacing, the atmosphere of it is is usually pretty engrossing. So yeah. and I, I think I like the second season better than the first so far. Me too. Yeah, they're, they're, those two are pretty neck and neck for me. I, I think some of the visuals of the first season kind of play more into like the, the some of the horror that I love to watch. Yes, the creepy kids show and like the distressed video. Yeah. I think overall the acting and the, the tone and the pacing of the second season is a little more more even yeah you're probably right i like paul schneider a lot but he was kind of a weird protagonist like there's some times where he did not he didn't do great at that thing of like having an ambiguous expression on your face as you like move through a room he frequently looked like he was trying to look shocked yeah yeah i mean and he wasn't like bad it's just it wasn't when the second season it's more like that's my Paul like Schneider. Teen horror movie. I mean, it's funny though. You made the exact expression that that I was thinking of, where he's just like, "I'm amazed by that." But I, he he would start there and not change from that, you know. Um, yeah, but it yeah, wasn't yeah. like bad. I mean, he's always had kind of a low low key comic. Not, well, I've seen him in mostly comedies, so seeing him in this kind of thing was was a nice change. But um, no, I'm, I'm digging it. So I'm glad I've got two more seasons of that to, nice. to get into. Nice. I, I want to mention one more show. Um, John Hodgman's Dick Town. Um, <laughs> John Hodgman solves crimes for teenagers. It's a cartoon. It's on Hulu. It is, man, it's so funny. It's so fucking funny. Um, And it's short. I think the episodes are about 10 minutes long. Um, But it's a part of this big thing called Cake, which is a bunch of, yeah. But if you look on Hulu, it is isolated as Dicktown. Um, it's a really funny show, man. Um, I love John. Well, the Hodgman. premise that he was like a teen, 
Encyclopedia Brown detective who, now that he's a grown-up, he still does, like, teen cases. I think that is a, a very funny concept. It's so good. And it's in a not, it's not creepy, man. It, it, it's, it sounds so, like, especially now with that... Yeah. Things coming out about people, it sounds like it's super, but it it it, it comes across really really funny, man. Um, yeah, it's, no, it's I love him. Check out. Yeah, he's... I gotta watch that. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, all right, cool. Well, I think we're good. Yeah, That's we it. are good. Yes. Oh, we one one more thing. Um, oh my god. One more thing. God, Ron. Big shout out to one of our longtime Big. fans, Tehran. Um, I've known him since high school. He's been listening to our podcast since the very beginning, man. And he, uh, <laughs> he texts me as we were recording this and he's like, Hey, you know where I can find a host? And I'm like, I, I know where you can watch it. He's like, I was listening to the podcast and it got me excited and I want to see it. So man, That's awesome. the, the fact that, you know, he, he listens and he's always giving me feedback and, and I guess I, I need to be more transparent about that guys. He he loves the podcast, which is really cool and it keeps him busy. Um Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. And uh Yeah, thanks. Man. We we need a review. He's of, the one. The I was wondering yeah. who it was. I noticed every time we put out an episode, this guy listens to it and I was like, This person We, we had one listener, yeah. That, that's him. <laughs> it was. It's him. You have to make sure you uh you get get some feedback from him on host once he watches. Yes. You know, it's actually a better deal for him because he's our listener. But if he puts out a podcast, the three of us will check it out probably. Unfair. <laughs> it's automatically three times the audience. Dang it. Dang. Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> cool, man. All right, man. Well, let's wrap this up. Movieshmovie.com is where you can find uh, all of our podcasts. Uh, Facebook.com slash movieshmovie if you want to comment. If you checked out Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country already, the, the first episode last week, let us know what you thought. And uh, if you have any ideas about where the show is going, maybe comment. Maybe we'll tell you if you're right or you're wrong <laughs> for the first five episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, how how cool was that? Just one more time that we got to watch off. No, that was so great. Like, damn that was, cool, was great. man. Yeah, so it was damn awesome. Cool. It was so cool. But yeah, so thanks again HBO for that. But um, and, well, and you yeah, know, when Facebook the season's over, we should probably come back and assess how they how they handle sure. things. So. Sure. We'll talk about it course. again. Um, but yeah, if you have any other shows, movies, anything you're finding on streaming platforms, or you know, maybe you're going on a drive-in and you saw a really cool movie you want to tell us about, maybe maybe tell us and uh, love to love to talk to you guys. To whoever's listening to this podcast, thank you again. If you're subscribed through the platform of your choice, if you can leave a review, star rating, comments, whatever it takes, if you could just put something on the podcast, letting us know that you're listening, please. Uh, on that platform, that would be appreciated. Help maybe some new listeners find the podcast. We'd, we'd be very thankful if you could do that. Um, but until uh, what, next week, I'm not sure what we're doing next week, but we'll, we'll do something fun, I'm sure. It's going to be just as exciting as this episode was, if not more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.